All right, if you take your Bibles, I've been kind of working my way through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're in chapter 4 now, verse 4 through the end of the chapter. Um, just as a quick refresher, we know that Solomon wrote uh, this book. Uh, and he just kind of is looking at life and all the things of the world, all the things that the world has to offer, um, the fame, the material things, uh, education. And he kind of has this experiment that uh, that he's just going to try and look at everything under the sun, which means he's going to take God completely out of his worldview and out of his picture um, and just see if he can find satisfaction in the things of the world. And so he tries everything. He, um, he works his way, like I mentioned earlier, he tried education, finding all the knowledge and stuff that was available. We know that Solomon was the wisest man. Um, ever on the planet and ever will live either. God gave him that that ability and, and that knowledge and wisdom. And, and God said he wouldn't um, give anyone else uh, as much as what uh, he gave Solomon. So he tried that and he got to the end of that and he said vanity, which is uh, just meaningless. It doesn't give that complete satisfaction um, that's in his heart and in his soul desires. And, and he tried material things. He built amazing um, buildings. Uh, he's a tremendous architect. He had the best um, craftsmen, carpenters, masons, bricklayers, um, um, sculptors, um, all kinds of um, different trades and arts to build these magnificent structures and um, he also had tremendous gardens and orchards and um, I'm sure it was just amazing to be able to to look at that Um, and again he got to the end of that and that wasn't it he tried leisure and just relaxing and enjoying entertainment and like being on vacation kind of mold all the time and he got to the end of that and that that wasn't lasting and fulfilling either. He tried women, and that didn't work. Um, all kinds of um, gathering wealth and accumulating large herds and just um, building up quite the portfolio and, and estate. And uh, again, that was vanity. Um, so all those things, nothing um, that the world has to offer apart from God uh, gives that complete fulfillment and satisfaction in our hearts and, and in our lives. And and here in chapter 4, uh, he's just kind of making these observations as he's looking at, um, at his kingdom or just looking at different areas and different parts of life and, and, and just have some observations here and um, some conclusions and just... But... Uh, these things kind of tie in with, you know, John warns us in First John 2 about not loving the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So those those three temptations seem to be here in, um, in Ecclesiastes 4, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and, and the pride of life. Um, again, being caught up with the things of the world, what the world has to offer, um, and then pouring all your energy and efforts and accumulating those things, and, and but only to find out in the end that uh, again the conclusion is it's all vanity. But uh, okay, so in Ecclesiastes four verse four again I saw that for all toil and every skillful work a man is envied by his neighbor. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Better a handful with quietness than both hands full, together with toil and grasping for the wind. Then I returned and saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. So again, this is kind of the vanity of living for yourself um, and working for yourself for um, just uh, prestige, uh, for people uh, just to look at you and think, wow, he's been really successful um, And just having that kind of ambition and just that desire to accumulate more and more things. But uh, so, I don't know if you've ever talked to people who, you know, their viewpoint of the Bible since it was written so long ago that it's not really, it can't be that relevant to the things today. But, uh, but I think, you know, Solomon, obviously, we can make those same exact. Um, observations today I mean nothing like he says there's nothing new under the sun people uh, still have those same motives those same desires those same ambitions out there so back to verse 4 again I, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work a man is envied by his neighbor um, a couple of other translations say it a little bit different the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, I saw that all labor and all skill for work is due to a man's jealousy of his friend. The New American Standard Bible says, I have seen that every labor and every skill which is done is the result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor. So, I'm sure there's various aspects of life um, let it be in the corporate world or whatever job you may be in or um, um, in sports or in academics and school. There is a sense of rivalry and competition um, with, with people and trying to be the best, trying to be the one that gets ahead, be the one uh, to get the promotion, to get the bonuses, um, all those things. There is, you know, 
room for competition. Yeah, I'm not saying that we should never be competitive or um, be involved in any kind of competition, but but these um, is, uh, but there's just uh, it's just kind of out of balance. It's kind of gone over the edge here. Um, you know, a phrase that we have today is keeping up with the Joneses. That's kind of what came to my mind when I read this verse. Um, people are always trying to get the next latest greatest thing. Um, you know, somebody gets. I just think of how cell phones have developed. They used to be just a phone, and yeah, you could talk on them. Most people just use for emergencies and. And things, and then they put cameras in them. So then everybody had to get one with a camera in it. And then they had like the MP3 player where you could put music in them. And people had to get that. And then then came the Blackberries and things were and texting. And now you can type on it. And and now the smartphones and all the apps and things that you can have on it. And not that there's anything wrong with having one, because but. Uh, But it's just interesting to watch people under contracts. As soon as something new comes out, that was the one that they had to, had to have, and so it's just and it can go into you know any different area. Um, with there's all kinds of toys. There's always upgrades. Um, always things that we can have, and just interesting. It just makes you wonder how many people can actually afford those things, actually have the money in their bank accounts to do that, or are they taking out loans and accumulating uh, enormous amounts of debt to, to be able to, to look good and, and to make people think highly of themselves and, and just to kind of gotten caught up in this competition and, and getting ahead. And I think that having all these things is going to give them that satisfaction and... and um, Fulfillment in their heart, but uh, so so Solomon observes that. So he says, you know, working for prestige, working for the competition to get ahead, for that rivalry. Um, when they get to the end of that, they're going to realize that it was just vanity. It's it's futile. It's, it didn't give them that. Satisfaction and it's grasping for the wind. So obviously you can't see the wind; you can feel it coming, but you can't see when it comes or where it's going. And uh, so that kind of pursuit in your life is like chasing the wind and trying to corral the wind, which is impossible. Uh, so then he kind of goes into a couple proverbs here. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. So, obviously, he's not against work here. We all need to work. You know, the Bible says a man who does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. So, that's uh, we all need to work. There's nothing wrong with having ambition and trying to do your best, um, work to the best of your ability to try and better yourself and to get better and. To be that all God wants us to be, all that he has created us to be, and to realize our potential. So there's nothing wrong with that, as long as we keep God in the picture, and we're submitted, submissive to him, and, 
and letting him guide and direct our steps and our paths and we're not getting ahead of him or saying, never mind God, I'm I'm just going to go my way right now and pursue this and and I'll come back to you later after I've pursued this avenue. But but, uh, that's where we get into trouble. But So he... Um, verse 5, again, back to the, the fool folds his hands. So folding your hands is just this kind of a gesture, a sign that you just kind of relaxed, that you um, have rested, have kind of settled down and, and quit working there. It's just a, a sign of resignation and, and that you're done and, and consumes his own flesh. So it's going to just be, once you, if you totally... Um, shut down and, and don't work. There's consequences to not being able to provide for your needs, and and you will eventually ruin yourself. You won't be able to support yourself, and uh, could even lead to the point of death. But um, again, not working and being lazy also has consequences too. But uh, and then verse six kind of has the balance, so. Yeah. Again, verse four: people that are very ambitious, very gung ho, you know, just have this goal in mind, this desire to be number one or whatever it is, no matter what. And then, verse five: you got somebody who's totally checked out and being lazy and and not working at all. And then, kind of here in verse six, is kind of a balance between better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. So it's better just to have your your basic needs and and you know a time where you can rest and reflect and to meditate uh, on God's word and spend time with people and your family and to have that kind of quietness and then both hands full having all the things that the world has to offer um, together and having that drive and pursuit to, to get more and more and more. Together with toil and grasping for the wind. So, again, in the end, uh, again that kind of pursuit and ambitions, like uh, trying to corral the wind and catch on to it. I, uh, in the daily bread, uh, I'm not sure when, but it was a while. We've had a little story here about this, you know, um, big businessman who was. So he worked himself, built up a company, and uh, became rich and stuff by his own ambition and his business sense and skills and things. And he was uh, must have been on a lake or maybe by the sea or something. And there's fishermen came in, and he was kind of laying around by his boat, and and that kind of annoyed him that you know there's still light out, there's still opportunities that he can go out and. And catch fish. So he, he asked him, "What are you doing? Why aren't you out catching fish?" And the fisherman replies, "Well, I've already caught my fish for the day. Well, why don't you go out and catch more? That way you can sell it and, and make more money, and then you can buy a builder bigger boat, and you can go out deeper in the sea, and you can buy some nets and catch more fish, and and continue to build up your business. And pretty soon you'll have a whole fleet of boats and people working for you, and you'll be rich just like me." And the fisherman asked, well, what, what would I do that for? And so, and the 
business man replies, well, so you can sit back and enjoy life like, like I am. And the fisherman replies, well, what do you think I'm doing right now? <laughs> so, again, there's, there's a balance that God wants us to keep um, in our life. And it just kind of fits with, with verse 6. Better handful with quietness. He had, had his needs and he had time to um, rest and, and enjoy life and, and stuff rather than being being a workaholic and working continuously all the time to gather and accumulate so I can all right and then uh, let's go on here then I returned and saw vanity under the sun all right so this is kind of goes into um, just kind of the danger and stuff of working um, by yourself and for yourself is kind of isolating ourselves from everyone. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother. Um, well, that's not necessarily his fault, though. But uh, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, For whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. All right, so. Um, so again, someone who's very self-absorbed, caught up in their selves, um, they're working just to accumulate things for themselves. They have no focus on anybody else in, um, in their lives, um, in their communities, um, in their temple or whatever, synagogue, um, at that time. At, uh, So again, he's he is alone. He's he's just by himself. He doesn't have doesn't seem to have any family here, but yet he's just totally absorbed in his work. Um, Billy Graham once said the, the smallest package he ever saw was a man totally wrapped up in himself. So so this kind of seems like this is where this guy is. He's just totally wrapped up. And his own ambition and his drive. He's a complete workaholic here. He's never satisfied. It says his eye is never satisfied. There's always stuff he's trying to get more of. Um, he never stops and thinks, who am I working for? Why am I um, running myself so ragged and wearing myself out and things like that? He never thinks about who he can help with his resources and things so he's just totally like hoarding um, all of his goods and but and just it's like um, Ebenezer Scrooge I guess um, total miser and just totally absorbed with himself and his own wealth and, and riches but, uh, Ephesians 4 28 Says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. They may have something to give him who has need. So, I know the the part about being a thief doesn't 
fit here, but especially the second part, we're, we're supposed to work, um, obviously, to support our families, number one. But God wants us to live below our means uh, so that we have a little bit left over that we can minister to, to people and help others who are less fortunate, who are going through a rough time. Um, um, again, to um, help missionaries and other speakers and stuff that we have come in. So that's it's God's plan for people and the church to minister and to take care of needs, and um, which is kind of contrary to our government, which they think they need to take all the money from the rich, and they're the ones who are qualified to be able to redistribute it out to everyone and, and take care of people that way. That's, I won't find that in the Bible. So God places the responsibility on each person uh, to see those who have needs and to help out and, and to minister that way. And, and this person here in verse 8 is totally consumed with the self and his own uh, riches and wealth and, and just has no focus on on helping others in need and doing things that way. Um, in verses 9 through 12, uh, Solomon kind of warns um, well, I guess he kind of goes through some pros and cons of, of continuing to work in isolation and some of the, the problems that could come up from that or you know, having a friend or a companion or somebody to to go through life with, and you know, but way back at the beginning of creation, when God saw Adam, you know, he, he said it's gotten good that man should live alone. So he created a, a help meet fit for him, a companion. So companionship was the main reason that um, that God gave Adam Eve, other than obviously procreation, and so that. The human race could continue on, but uh, but companionship is the main reason for for marriage, and so it, life is uh, much more fulfilling and rewarding when you can share your things and have somebody to share things with and uh, to be able to minister. That's when you know God, Jesus Christ said, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So. But uh, verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who was alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold, threefold cord is not quickly broken. Just some again pros and cons to um, to living and working in isolation. Um, again, one reason why it's better to to have a companion or a friend, uh, a coworker, somebody to to work alongside in fellowship, um, because they have a good reward for their labor. Um, you can't get as much work done if you're doing everything by yourself. And a lot of times, even when you and another person, um, a lot of times it, it more than doubles uh, what you're able to do uh, as one person. It, it 
seems to compound. They have good reward for their labor. So uh, just the efficiency uh, there and um, in a lot of ways it, it seems to compound more than just twice as much as if one person was, was doing it. And, you know, that's true in the homes and things. Um, you know, it's my wife and I, you know, we have our own responsibilities and stuff within the house. And um, and there would just be things that I wouldn't be able to do if, if she wasn't there. Um, I just think of cooking for one thing, um, the time it takes to prepare, and then the time it takes to clean everything up um, it seems to be about three times as long as it takes to eat it. So and that would kind of drive me nuts. But uh, um, again, people have their roles and things, and um, there's things that I can do that she can't, and she does that I can't, and um, it just. You know, it just makes for a quiet household, a smooth-running household. Um, we can work those things out, and and there's just mutual benefit there and rewards for when we work together and put our labors together. And you just can't get as much done uh, as if you were by yourself. And same thing in the church ministries. Um, there's no lone rangers in the church ministry. You all need to. To work together, and there's even missionaries. There's very few um, missionaries that are out there in mission fields by themselves. They, a lot of times, they have other missionary missionary teams that are going out there, and and there just seems to be more reward for that labor. Um, again, another reason for they fall: one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, there's um, there's a medical issue or something that needs to be addressed. It's nice to have somebody else there that can go get help right away and, and things. Or if it's not a medical issue, or just maybe they're just going through a rough time, and just kind of down in the dumps. And a lot of times, you know, it's very rarely where both people would be down in the dumps, but usually. One's down in the dumps, the other one is is uh, doing better or whatever and is able to encourage them and, and to help them along and to build them back up. Um, but it, it's nice to have somebody else there to um, be there uh, just in case or be there for encouragement and to build up. And um, nice to have somebody to, to fall back on and to rely on. Um, Verse 11, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? I think this has more of the idea of if they were traveling and they had to stop. Um, I don't think they had a lot of hotels along the way like we did, but uh, a lot of times they just built the fire and slept right there, maybe pitched a tent or something and slept right there in the desert or in the wilderness or wherever they happened to be and Again, he's just saying that just the body heat that people we give off um, helps to keep one another warm uh, during a cold night in the desert. Um, so 
that's all he's saying about that. It's nothing more than that. But uh, again, there's just um, comfort that, not just in that way, but other ways that having a companion and stuff involved uh, can bring and just makes things easier in life, makes things to run and function better. And then protection, too. The one may be overpowered, verse 12, by another. Two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So, again, it's never traveling, um, especially back in those times, walking on the roads. Uh, it's better to, um, you know, there's safety in numbers. I have a couple other people with you. Um, I'm sure it's true in, in the military or in law enforcement, maybe firefighting too. Rarely does somebody go into a situation by themselves. They, I think everybody's pretty much assigned a partner or a unit or something, and they're all working together, and, and there's safety uh, in numbers, or more safety in numbers. I know a lot of those are dangerous situations anyways, but... Uh, but very rarely in those kinds of situations anybody go uh, at that by themselves. Right, so he just kind of talks about just the vanity of living by yourself, all wrapped up in yourself, whether it's in your job and your drive and ambitions and desires to accumulate things and, or just to be that lone ranger and do everything by yourself and but uh, I think um, I should point out, um, you know, here in verses nine through twelve, when when the person is ministering uh, to one another, is uh, spending time with others, they are investing their their life in other people. Um, I don't think you'll find anywhere in Ecclesiastes that Solomon would ever say that that was vanity or, or meaningless. All right? You get all wrapped up in accumulating things and the things of the world and, and, and the rivalry and competition. Um, you know That is grasping for the wind. But if you're sensitive to others' needs and you're involved in helping other people and helping them to be successful and and uh, ministering to their needs and picking them up when they're down or uh, just coming alongside and encouragement and comfort, um, those kinds of things, there's, I don't think anywhere in Scripture that that would be looked down as a waste of time or fruitless or, or meaningless. Um, laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven, I'm sure that what we invest in our time and helping other people will um, be part of that. Jesus also said, "You bring somebody just even a cold drink of water uh, that was thirsty. You know, if you've done it uh, to them, you've done that for me." So, um, again, life is more about people and relationships, and most of all, our relationship with God, and then relationships with with family and ministering that way. You're going to get a much more fulfilling life. Uh, investing in other meeting other people's needs and being completely consumed in yourself and your own drives and ambitions and not think anything about helping others or where they're at I think so alright so. then 
verses 13 through 16 kind of talks about just the vanity of, of popularity and maybe being famous or um, if you have desire to be in politics or whatever and, and people can get all wrapped up into that but you know eventually you can't reign forever hold your position forever there's going to be an end to it someday but uh, all right verse 13 better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who will be admonished no more for he comes out of prison to be king although he was born poor in his kingdom a lot of people have tried to pick out a specific situation in Solomon's life, specific people that this would apply to, and um, I don't think there's what we have recorded in Scripture anyways or can tell from um, some history books or most history books that he is talking about himself or Jeroboam or in here, but um, or if there was something specific else happening in, in the world at that time but I, th- I, I think this is just totally it may have some correlations to Solomon's reign but I think a lot is just for sake of illustration here or maybe did witness something along this line but uh, just doesn't give us the specifics of it All right, so this king that he's talking about here, he was born poor in his kingdom, but he eventually worked his way up, um, worked hard, uh, educated himself, um, and was able to work up into being king of this particular kingdom. But unfortunately, um, verse 13, who will be admonished no more, so obviously he's puffed himself up to the point and his arrogance and pride that he won't listen to anybody's counsel anymore and so even though you're king and have this power and prestige in this position um, Solomon is saying if you're not um, if you kind of checked out on on your on who you're being king over and not listening to their needs and the problems that are going on and won't receive any correction or anything like that, then uh, you'd be better off being poor again, but an intelligent young person. Um, Verse 15, I saw all the living who walk under the sun. So these are all the people uh, in the kingdom there. They are with the second youth who stands in his place. So so they seem to turn on the king and are already looking for a successor. To come up, verse 16, there's no end of all the people over whom he was made king, yet those who come afterward will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and grasping for the wind. So I think it just talks about popularity and people may be chanting your name and encouraging to run and, and to win. And, and if you do reach that point, then... Um, you had the crowds again cheering your name, and there's that pride of life that we, John warned us about, and uh, and we we like that kind of praise, and um, you know that um, inflates our egos, and um, so. But again, at the end, um, eventually, all that's gonna 
they'll fall apart and someday the, that balloon will pop or lose all its air eventually. Um, you never know. You know, people are fickle. You never know when they're going to turn on you or be good with you for a while. But, you know, people, are, again, are always looking for that next great thing, that next big star or whoever to come along. And and you can um, fade out just as quickly as people rose up. And we see that in athletics or music or um, acting or all sorts of areas or life and if you're living for popularity and things um, again that's just going to be short lived it's a temptation in school to be popular to do things that, that things would, that the other kids would think that you're cool and want to be around you and things but again if you all of a sudden, if you have to move and you move to a different school district, all of, all of a sudden you're to a point where nobody knows you. All the things you're able to do, nobody knows about, and you have to start all over again. Or, you know, you may be at the top in high school, but you go to college and you're right back at the bottom again, having to prove yourself and work your way back up again. And, and then when you leave college, again, back down at the bottom again, um, just look at another area, just different you know, things that are named after people, whether they be certain buildings or structures or things, and how you know, good to think that it would be nice to have you know, your name on something, you know, but just at the time it's done, everybody may know who you are, if you're some citizen or... Donated or sacrificed different things or um, whatever that people decide to honor you for, but you know, how many years after does it take before people see this name and have no idea who they were? Or they may read some plaque or something and say, you know, oh, okay, that's why their name's here or whatever, and um, just how quickly things can be gotten, be forgotten. I mean, so. So uh, again, just living to be popular, to be famous. Uh, again, that's that's vanity. It's, it's fruitless, meaningless. In the end, there's nothing that lasts there and gives that complete satisfaction. It, it can be very short-lived, and people will soon forget after you pass your prime or whatever. And the people following you can can turn on you. People are fickle. Uh, at at any time, so so again, just I guess for application, remember life's not about things; it's about relationships and, and ministering and and the people. And, and again, just keeping that balance between providing for your things and being able to minister to others, but yet not get too caught up in in that ambition and and. And drive and and just being so focused on that that you you forget about God and you forget about other people and you start neglecting different things in our lives. So again, just again, these very same things could be observations that Solomon makes here could be uh, made today. Uh, this is just as relevant today as it was back in Solomon's day. 
again, people haven't changed much. Situations, human nature hasn't changed. So a lot of similarities here. So, all right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we do just thank you for this time we can spend in your word and just reflecting on our priorities. Help us to seek you first in all that we do so that you you may be pleased, so that you may be honored and glorified. You know what is best for us. Um, you know the plans and purposes that you want to accomplish through us. And just pray that we would be uh, completely yielded to you and willing to to go wherever you would have us to go and to do whatever you would have us to do and and just help us not get too wrapped up in the things of this world and trying to accumulate more things and and to keep up with the next best thing or or to be have that desire to be popular or famous uh, for the wrong reasons uh, so that we could Please our ego, or um, because uh, we are prone to be proud individuals, and, and we enjoy that. We enjoy being praised and and getting credit for things, and, and just help us to to give that credit to you, for you are the one who made us who we are, who has given us everything we have. But we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your great love for us. And just remember the cross and what Jesus has done for us and and that we would serve him because he has given us salvation, forgiveness of sin, hope of eternal life, and a glorious future in heaven with you. And may we continue to work towards eternal things and not of the earthly things. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.